Take your Bibles, let's go to Acts chapter 5. Our Sunday night series is through this book. Our primary focus is seeing what it means to be a church in action. Last time we saw this church in Jerusalem was both feared and fearless. They were feared because of what happened to Ananias and Sapphira. Somebody comes in, gives money to the church, and they keel over. That might put fear into people, right? So they were feared, but they were also fearless because they were right back at Solomon's porch preaching. That was where John and Peter got arrested. And so they're right back in the same place preaching the same message they were threatened not to teach. Don't speak again in Jesus' name. They go right back to Solomon's porch, speaking again in Jesus' name. As they were gathered together, we saw how people were being healed at the hands of the apostles. The Bible says many signs and wonders were wrought. And it appears that some time had elapsed because the Bible says that people started coming from neighboring cities. And it wasn't like they had social media back then to... Hey, send your sick brother over quick. Took time. And so I think some time had gone by, but people were coming from all around as word began to spread. And so we'll pick it up there in verses 17 and 18 tonight of Acts chapter 5. The Bible says, Then the high priest rose up. Many believe this was Caiaphas. The high priest rose up, and all they that were with him, which is the sect of the Sadducees, And were filled with indignation and laid their hands on the apostles and put them in the common prison. In verses 12 through 16 last week, we saw a mighty move of God among the people. It was at the hands of the apostles, God working through them. And anytime God is at work, just go ahead and mark it down. Opposition will occur the enemy will show up. In fact, we should think it's strange if the enemy isn't coming against us. If we're trying to do God's work and we're facing no resistance. You know, I I was just thinking how it seems like this has been our theme now for a couple weeks. And Pastor DeGarmo in our adult Sunday school classes talking about affliction. I've been talking a lot about storms. And and here we are, we see after God shows up, the enemy shows up. The apostles are doing God's work and it's only natural that the enemy would show up. And they're here in the form of of a religious sect called the Sadducees. I've talked about them before in this chapter or in this series over in chapter 4. Remember, this is the outfit that controlled the temple. They were the ones who turned the house of prayer into a den of thieves. They didn't like people converting to Christianity. Because if enough people converted, it lessened their influence and their power, and it might take away their their money-making scheme. This was the group that denied that there would be any resurrection. They hated the preaching that Jesus has resurrected, especially right there at the temple where they controlled. And so here's the church, a church in action, 
on the enemy's territory preaching the very message they said, don't come here and preach. We need to understand that Satan does not want to give up his territory. He doesn't give up without a fight. Satan had successfully captured the temple grounds. It became a den of iniquity. So much so that in about, oh, 40 years from here, 37 years or so, I can't remember, the temple's going to be destroyed. The church has showed up. They've rightfully planted themselves in the area that was supposed to be the house of God. And now there's a power struggle taking place at the epicenter of Jerusalem, the temple. A church has been established in the enemy's territory, and so the enemy shows up in the form of a high priest. And all the Sadducees were with him, and they were filled with indignation. The enemy gets mad any time God's people show up and start to make a difference. Satan hates Liberty Baptist Tabernacle. I'm sure he hates other churches in the city. I'm not saying we're the only ones that are on the truth. But I'm saying he does not like this church. Especially so because we print the Word of God. Satan hates our God. He hates our people. He hates our mission. He hates that we have a footprint in this city. He hates that we're growing and seeking to expand that footprint. This is why we're threatened to not show up anymore in certain areas of the city. Isn't that right, Pastor DeGarmo? This is why we get the phone call saying, don't you show up here again, we're going to call the cops. Don't put your literature out here. This is why I just learned this morning that somebody in our church has been kicked out of the public library for simply putting a religious pamphlet in a book. Listen, the property managers are not our enemy. When you get behind the scenes and you understand this spiritually, we're not wrestling flesh and blood. There's, I understand certain places have policies in place. And listen, let me just go ahead and educate you real, uh, real quick right here. If somebody tells you you can't solicit here, if you're handing out something for free, that is not solicitation. Amen. Solicitation is trying to sell something. We're not trying to sell anything. But on that note, I've been told that once you are told not to come back, if you come back, then you are considered a trespasser. I think I've got that correct. So if you're out there handing out our door hangers, keep that in mind. You just refer them to Pastor DeGarmo. <laughs> yeah, he's got to go to jail, not me. Click. And we have had the cops called. I can remember here the first time Zach, Zach Costi and I had the cops called on us. What's, what's taking place? It's a stronghold of the enemy. This is Satan's territory. Listen, when, when I get these kind of calls, I know we're on target. I take it as an indication that we're upsetting the enemy. As far as I know, we're not being cantankerous. We're just trying to fulfill the Great Commission. Now listen to me. This goes for you individually and for your family as well. If you are moving towards God, expect the enemy to show up. If you're moving your family towards God, expect the enemy to show up. 
The devil comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. He does not play fair, as we're hearing in the account of Job. And he's after you. The enemy wants to disrupt your home. He wants to destroy mom and dad. Hey, he's after your marriage. He wants to destroy the children. He wants to disrupt your home. And he's either trying to hang on to his territory or he's trying to expand his territory. And if you're trying to walk with God, he's not going to let go without a fight. Are you new to church? Expect a fight from the enemy. Are you getting back in church? Expect a fight from the enemy. Are you growing closer to God? Expect the enemy to show up. Are you faithfully serving? Expect the enemy to attack you. We need to hear these things because people are often surprised by how these things come to pass. They expected when they drew near to God, everything was going to smooth out. And Satan begins to put the thought in your mind, it was a lot better back over there. People thought life was going to be lived on easy street. Now that I'm in Christ and I'm going to church and I'm reading my Bible. But when that didn't happen and the enemy showed up, a lot of people forsake the way of God. Matthew 13, verses 20 through 22. But he that received the seed into stony places, the same as he that heareth the word, and Annan with joy receiveth it. Yet hath he not rooted himself, but dureth for a while. What happens to him? For when tribulation or persecution ariseth because of the word, by and by he is offended. He also that receives seed among the thorns is he that heareth the word. And the care of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and he becometh unfruitful. The enemy doesn't want the seed of the word of God finding its way into the good ground of your heart. And so he attacks through tribulations persecutions, the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, all in an effort to keep you defeated, to stunt your growth. But don't let the enemy showing up bother you. Our God is far greater than anything the enemy can muster up. Our God is far greater than the God of this world. Keep walking with God. Don't give up heading in the right direction. Don't stop trying to fulfill God's will for your life. This goes for our church too. Hebrews 12, 2 and 3, looking unto Jesus. It's a good place to start, amen. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our, of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider Him that endured such contradiction of sinners against Himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. Is the enemy attacking you? Look unto Jesus. Consider Jesus. Don't forget all that Jesus went through. Why? Lest ye be wearied and you faint in your minds. Next we see in verse 17 how the enemy came against this church. They laid their hands on the apostles and put them in the common prison. The apostles were the leaders within this church. 
Christ was their head, but they were the earthly visible representation of the leadership of this move of God. And so the enemy sought to stop this church by arresting and silencing the messengers of God. And they were hoping that they would put fear into the heart of the people of this church. And so we see that sometimes the attacks from our enemy turn physical. In fact, if secular history is correct, all the apostles but John will die a martyr's death. And if I understand it correctly, they tried to kill John. That's all within the first century. And, and listen, that's all for doing the will of God. And so we see sometimes people are even arrested as they serve God. Throughout the dark ages, it's been said that millions of our Baptist forefathers were killed simply because they refused to accept infant baptism. This same persecution, it even continued into the colonial period of America. And I think about those who sacrificed their lives to give us the Bible. Coming out of the dark ages, men that were burned at the stake, all for doing God's work. And guess whose hands they died at? The religious crowd. I think of people like John Bunyan and others like him who were also persecuted by the religious crowd. They were arrested. And they and their wives endured great hardship. If I remember correctly, John Bunyan spent 12 years in jail for preaching. And his precious wife had to hold down the fort. But that did lead to the groundwork of the first great awakening. And we know it's been this way throughout history. Amen? There's never been a time in this world when God's people have not been under attack. When Jesus spoke of the destruction of Jerusalem to come, He said in Matthew 23-35, that, that upon you may come all the righteous blood shed upon the earth from the blood of righteous Abel unto the blood of Zacharias, son of Berechias, whom ye slew between the temple and the altar. When Jesus said those words, He was summarizing the entire period of the first generation after Adam until the house of Judah went into captivity. What's Jesus saying? All the way from Abel, the enemy has been attacking. And we know it happened with Adam and Eve, but he physically attacked and Abel was killed. And that has continued. Persecution has continued. We're studying that in our Wednesday night series through Esther. After the captivity, it still continued. It continued in Jesus' day. It continues today. There's countries in this world where you will die for being a Christian publicly. My point is the enemy's real. The enemy is relentless and has been for some 6,000 years. Our enemy isn't playing games. Neither should we. He's not playing games. He wants to disrupt and destroy what do I do? Walk with God. Get up and read your Bible. Give. Witness. Pray. Come to church. He ain't messing around. So that ain't good English. Well, it is where I come from. 
Imagine if we had the same tenacity as our enemy. What do you think God could do through a people like that? I believe we would see revival. Not what the news media calls revival. Don't worry, I took all that out of my notes. But come and see me if you think what they're calling revival right now is revival. It isn't. I think God could take a people like that and turn Rapid City and the surrounding areas upside down. I believe that. And so in verses 17 and 18, we find a church in action is going to have enemies. And we don't have to go looking for them like some of our fundamentalist brethren. I'm sure I'll see them in heaven, but man, they're cantankerous. Like, chill out, dude. I'm not your enemy. We're using the King James here. And we're still getting heaven. I better stop because I'm about to go down a road that's, yeah. I'm about to turn into them. Amen. The enemy will come to us with indignation if we're doing God's work. Will it turn physical in our area? Time will tell. Jesus warned the apostles in their day, hey, there's going to be people that think killing you is doing God's service. And that's what we're beginning to see take place here in our text. This is starting now. The persecution is ramping up. We're getting there. So we see God is at work. The enemy is at work. Though the apostles have done nothing criminally wrong, the enemy throws them in prison in an effort to secure their stronghold there at the temple. The enemy's hoping to strike fear into the church, into the apostles. They're hoping to stop the work of God's church. And they're hopeful this is going to cause other people to fear joining them. And then let's read verses 19 through the first sentence of verse 21. But the angel of the Lord by night opened the prison doors and brought them forth and said, Go, stand and speak in the temple to the people all the words of this life. And when they had heard that, they entered into the temple early in the morning and taught. We see now what I've already mentioned, God is far greater than the enemy. If God be for us, who can be against us? The enemy doesn't get to decide when God's work is done. (laughs) If God is in it, it cannot be stopped until God says so. This is something Gamaliel is going to speak to before we get out of this chapter. You can glance down at verse 39. But if it be of God, ye cannot overthrow it, lest happily ye be found even to fight against God. The Sadducees are trying to overthrow all of this, but God is showing them they can't win a fight against Him. Jesus said, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And so God sends the angel of the Lord by night, to bring them forth out of, out of the prison. And we see that while the enemy fights against them, God is fighting for them. That's a take a lap statement. Let me say it again. Because when the enemy is fighting against them, God is fighting for them. Exodus 14, 14, the Lord shall fight for you. Deuteronomy 1, 30, the Lord your God which goeth before you, He shall fight for you. 2 Chronicles 32, 8, but with us is the Lord our God to help us and to fight our battles. But what this doesn't mean is that there's not going to be any problems. 
That's how it's often taught. But the fact of the matter is, they still were put in jail before God showed up. There's still problems. The apostles were put in prison, but God had a purpose in it all. What the enemy thought would put fear into the church, God was going to use to put fear into the enemy. (laughs) And God shows them how great He is and how unstoppable His church really is. There are no powers that that can defeat God. There are no prison bars strong enough that God can't reach His people. If God wants them out, He'll bring them out. God cannot be stopped. I'm just as tired as you are. Let's just act like we're excited. Amen? I think we can say that God used this imprisonment of His apostles also to strengthen their faith as well. How bold would you be if you were arrested for preaching and in the middle of the night, the angel of the Lord shows up and gets you on out of there? I'd feel unstoppable. You know, God had a purpose. And now they get to tell of God's deliverance through their own experience. I hope you have some of those stories. Not only do we see that God cannot be stopped, but God cannot be silenced. God has primarily chosen human beings as the instruments of His message being preached. God charges them in verse 20, Go, stand and speak in the temple to the people all the words of this life. God did not bring them out to to escape. Don't miss that. God didn't bring them out and say, okay, go, go hide in the cliffs. Go underground. No, God brought them out for a very specific purpose, and that was to keep preaching the gospel. We often seek for escape from our problems so that we can take our ease. We want to just eat, drink, and be merry. Don't disrupt my routine. You know, we ought to view our deliverance as an opportunity to serve God more freely. Does that make sense, what I'm trying to say? And, and this is so interesting here. The one place God charges them to go and speak is right back where they've been arrested twice. <laughs> He says, go back to the heart of the enemy's territory. Go right back to the temple, right out in the open. And I believe we need to learn discernment in hearing and following God's leading. There are times when we need to shake the dust off and move on. That's Bible. But there's also times that we have to be understanding that God says, go right back and witness again tomorrow. Stay with it. God tells them where to preach. God tells them who to speak to. Speak in the temple to the people. God isn't asking them to go and speak to the Sadducees, to the leadership there, the religious sect. God wants to go there and speak to those who are showing up because they wanted to be at the house of God. That that haven't been corrupted by the Sadducees. That aren't caught up in some religious group. And God says, I want you to go and I want you to speak to the people. And so, they're going to have opportunity to speak to the religious leaders. They already have in chapter 4. They're going to, they're going to again before this chapter is out. Remember, you'll have an opportunity to speak to the enemy because they'll come and find you. They came and found them twice. God wanted them to speak to those who were desirous to know God. 
You see, God wasn't done fishing at the temple. It was still producing fish. It was a good fishing hole. Amen. Brett, they didn't have to drill 1,500 holes in the ice across the entire lake. Amen. Go ice fishing with Brett. You'll get a workout. Amen. I'll be like, brother, I'm just going to stay right here and fish. I don't care if I catch anything or not. Amen. Nah, let's go drill some holes. No. I don't know what he's saying back there, but for however old he is, he could whoop me in a fair fight. Amen. I love you, brother. Hey, side note, he took Luke hunting or something. Remember that, Luke? And I don't know. I was like, y'all go ahead. I'll catch catch up. (laughs) All right, we are way off track. Um, God wasn't done there. There were still fish to be caught. Next, we see God told them how to speak. Go, stand, and speak. I think you understand what the meaning is here. I want you to be public. I want you to be bold. I don't want you to fear. I want you to go and I want you to speak without apology. Don't worry about upsetting the religious leaders. Don't be worried about upsetting anybody, insulting anybody. Don't water down the message to make it more palatable. I want you to go, I want you to go stand and speak. Isaiah 58, 1, Cry aloud, spare not, lift up thy voice like a trumpet. And show my people their transgressions and the house of Jacob their sins. And then God tells them what they are to speak. Speak in the temple to the people all the words of this life. The message was to be focused. Their message wasn't to be about how they felt mistreated. And now we're going to hire lawyers and we're going to sue for false arrest and defamation of character. And they're on CNN and Larry King Live. Is he still alive? I don't know. That dude was old when I was young. I think he probably always was old. Focused, like I'm not. Focused. (laughs) I almost feel embarrassed to read this next note. Don't get distracted from the primary message. Why? Because the enemy's crafty. <laughs> Gets you off target. The enemy will get the person you're witnessing to to ask the craziest questions. All of a sudden, they get spiritual. Right. All I hear is bleep, 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 bleep. You, ask, you start talking spiritual, and it's like, you know, now they put on their spiritual hat, and it's, anyway. And that's how the enemy works. And, and so what you want to do is you want to stay focused. Because a lot of people fall for that trap. I used to, younger in my life, and, and I've learned. Don't go down that road. Just stay on target. Stay, stay on their need for Christ. Amen. They probably won't like it, but that's okay. Stay focused on the most needful thing. You keep bringing them back to Christ. Amen? Amen? They're going to want to know if you're born that way. They're going to want to know what's happening to the people out in the Amazon jungle. They're, All of a sudden, they're going to, no, 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 we're talking about you, your need. Go, stand, and speak all the words of this life. So, we see here in verse 20, 
God tells him where to preach, who to preach to, how to preach, and what to preach. And this verse completely shreds the idea of lifestyle evangelism. Amen. I'm not suggesting that the way you live doesn't make a difference. It does. It gives credibility to the message that you speak. But just because you live godly, it doesn't mean people are going to magically come to Christ. They might just think you're weird. Amen. It doesn't mean they're just going to seek you out. Sometimes they do. But we have to speak up with a specific message. Don't think just because you have Bible verses in your cubicle, people are going to walk by and go, oh, I need, I need Christ. You have to be proactive. You have to get out of your comfort zone. And you have to engage with a conversation. You don't have to be obnoxious about it. But as God gives you opportunity, take advantage of it. And speak boldly to them all the words of this life. And you ought to seek for those opportunities. And as you take advantage of those opportunities, always try to bring people to a decision point. Not a forced decision. Don't pick fruit out of season. But you bring them to a point where they have to think about it. They have to ponder it. And maybe they are ready. Maybe you're the one that's come along and God said, now it's time for the harvest. But bring them to a decision point. Listen, their eternal destination is at stake. Heaven or hell. Don't walk away from that opportunity without giving them an opportunity. Finally tonight... The beginning of verse 21 says, And when they had heard that, the apostles, they entered into the temple early in the morning and taught. God commanded them and they obeyed. They went. God said, go. We have to be responsive to the Holy Spirit's leading. Are, are you with me? I'm, I'm talking about divine appointments. I'm talking about you being a missionary in your workplace. I'm talking about why you're on this earth as a Christian. Amen. We have to be responsive. Have you, ever, have you ever known that the Holy Ghost is prompting you to go speak to somebody? Did you obey? You know if you did or didn't. There are times that God will just impress it on your heart and say, you need to talk to them. You need to give them a gospel track. I've had times just standing at the, the gas pump and God says, you need to talk to that person. Are you with me? Yeah. And, and you've got to be responsive. You've got to understand God orchestrates our life. He, he orders our steps, the Bible says. And, and He might bring us along into the path of somebody that needs Christ and they're ready to hear, they're tender, they're softened, maybe they're going through a trial, a heartache, and you're the one that God sent along their path to help them, to give them a word of encouragement, to give them a verse of Scripture, to introduce them to Christ, to lead them to Christ. It's not a game. God is, is ordering your life. He's taking you into intersections with people. Be sensitive to those times. When God says, I need you to speak up, even though you know you don't want to. I'm with you, man. Sometimes it's not fun. 
I was thinking, you know, often I'll come in, I'll see people over here sitting smoking, I'll, I'll go and talk to them. I know they don't want to hear from me. Amen. I mean, if I was on my smoke break, I wouldn't want you coming up and bothering me. Well, praise the Lord. And yet God says, I need you to go talk to them. Are you with me? So as you go about your day and God says, I need you to just introduce them to Christ. I need, listen, and I'm not talking about inviting them to church. Praise God if they come. I'm talking about inviting them to Christ. Then invite them to church by all means. Tell them you got an awesome pastor. I know some of you don't believe that. I can tell. But my wife knows it's true. And so God wants you to witness. Amen. He, he's delivered them for a very specific purpose, and that's to go preach the gospel. You're here for a very specific purpose, and it's to preach the gospel. I know some that can't even do that to their own kids. Listen, if you can't speak spiritually in your own family, that's a problem. So we see tonight, a church in action has enemies. We don't need to go looking for them. They're going to find us. <laughs> a church in action has God fighting for them. Whoop. A church in action preaches the gospel where God says to, to who God says to and how God says to preach. A church in action is obedient to God. As you go about your week, I want you to look for opportunities this week to share the gospel. I want you to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit's leading and see if He doesn't whisper into your heart, I need you to talk to them. Amen? Let's be obedient to God. Be faithful to witness to others. Let's be a church in action. Let's pray.